Good morning, everyone. And uh, thanks for joining us at the Brooks Health Centre today. I'm so glad to be joined by our Health Minister, Jason Copping, AHS Vice President, Dr. Sid Viner, and Dr. Michael Baring, and other outstanding medical professionals. We're all aware that wait times for surgery in Alberta need to be reduced. All Albertans need surgery and they deserve to have it within clinically recommended wait times. The added stress of living with chronic pain while only inching up a, a waiting list just shouldn't be acceptable. And the heavier workload and burnout among our fantastic medical staff adds to the additional stress. Since November, we've uh, promised that help is on the way, and this year's budget provides some of that help. We are increasing our overall health spending by nearly $1 billion. That's not an unsubstantial amount. That includes an investment of $237 million over three years to expand and modernize operating rooms across the province. That means that Albertans can continue to be confident that their surgeries are taking place in the most modern, up-to-date facilities by the best healthcare workers to best ensure their health and overall well-being is improved. This extra money will reduce delays in hip and knee replacements and cancer and cataract surgeries, to name a few. And that's uh, just really good news for Albertans who are waiting for surgery. This means that Albertans will not have to wait as long to get the surgeries that they need. It means that Alberta Health Services can add 20,000 more surgeries in the next 12 months. So 20,000 more Albertans can get their surgeries sooner and will be able to take part in the activities that they've been missing out on while they wait. Part of that 320, uh, $237 million also includes $120 million to, in new funding to increase surgical capacity in more than a dozen uh, communities, including, I'm pleased to say, right here in Brooks. Going for surgery can be daunting. And if we keep uh, more people closer to home, it will give them more peace of mind and reduce added stress of travel and the added cost of hotels and eating out for their family. I would also be remiss if I didn't say that none of this would be possible without the medical professionals who staff our operating rooms. While our government is providing unprecedented financial investments, our doctors, our nurses, our paramedics, and our support staff are the health system's most important resources. Their talent, their hard work, and dedication keeps the system strong, and I want to take a moment to thank them for their dedication and for their commitment to helping Albertans to heal. And that's why Alberta's government is putting more money into expanding their ranks by re retaining and supporting our current workforce, growing the workforce by creating more training spaces, and strengthening our capacity for long-term planning. We're putting... Uh, dollars and brilliant people where they can do the greatest good, which is on the front lines. That means shorter waits for surgeries, more staff, and improved equipment and facilities. You're going to see the results in the Brooks Health Centre. And life for Albertans who need surgeries is going to just keep on getting better and better. Minister Copping uh, has more to share on these investments, so I'll turn it over to him. Well, thanks so much, Premier, and good morning, everyone, uh, and thank you for joining us here today. Uh, it's great to be here to announce the steps uh, we are taking in our ongoing commitment to build on the momentum of the Health Care Action Plan. I, I want to thank Dr. Sid Viner and Dr. M Michael Baring from AHS, who will speak in a moment, uh, for the warm welcome to the Brooks Health Centre. Now, it goes without saying that Alberta's health care system has been overburdened and wasn't able to meet the growing demand despite the excellent work of doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers. 
Urgent reforms are already underway so Albertans can access the world-class care they expect and they deserve. Alberta's Health Care Action Plan is our commitment to do just that. One of the four key areas of that plan is reducing surgery wait times across our entire province. The reality is that far too many Albertans are waiting longer than clinically recommended for the surgeries that they need. This is not a situation that our government can accept. We made a promise to Albertans four years ago that we would take action. Now, the pandemic delayed that work a bit, but I'm proud to say we are making significant progress. We have boosted the number of surgeries by leveraging both hospitals and chartered surgical facilities, and wait times are down across the board. As of Tuesday this week, there were less than 67,000 people on the overall waiting list. That's lower than five years ago. But more importantly, the number of people waiting outside the clinically recommended targets has also dropped. When Dr. John Cowell, the official administrator at AHS, gave his 90-day update in April, the number of Albertans waiting too long had already fallen from about 39,000 in October to about 35,500 in late February. Today, there are fewer than 32,000 people waiting outside of the clinically recommended targets. That is progress all Albertans can be proud of, but we can't let up now. We are adding more capacity so more people can have faster access to the care they need when and where they need it. We're on track to perform about 6,000 surgeries every week in Alberta. We've recently focused our efforts on hip and knee replacement wait lists. These are typically the longest wait times that we're seeing right now. And we're investing in the system to provide 6,000 more publicly funded orthopedic surgeries every year in Edmonton and in Calgary. Albertans will also have access to 30,000 eye surgeries at Chartered Surgical Facilities, or CSS, this year as well. And I want to stress that surgeries performed at CSS are a vital part of the publicly funded healthcare system. They create much-needed capacity for more complex and emergency surgeries that can be done in hospital operating rooms where advanced care teams may be needed. CSFs have been part of our health system for years. In fact, 13% of surgeries completed in Alberta in 2018-19 were done at a CSF. We are focused on expanding the healthcare system to meet the needs of people throughout the province, not just in the two major cities. We are renovating and adding operating room space in 15 communities, particularly in rural Alberta. There are projects already underway in places like Edson, Grand Prairie, Lethbridge, Medicine Hat, and Rocky Mountain House. And Budget 2023 provides $237 million for surgical initiatives over the next three years. These new capital projects will increase capacity in places like Camrose, Crow's Nest Pass, Olds, Westlock, Tabor, and right here in Brooks. AHS is budgeting $312 million to provide a projected 310,000 surgeries this year. That's 20,000 more surgeries for Albertans waiting many of whom are in pain, and especially in rural areas. This is remarkable progress, and this progress will make a difference to the lives and livelihoods of thousands of Albertans. But we know there is still a tremendous amount of work ahead of us, and we are committed to the process. We will deliver on our promise to Albertans that they will have access to their surgeries within clinically recommended wait times, 
And before I turn things over to Dr. Viner, I want to once again thank the dedicated healthcare professionals for all the work that they do, day in and day out, to serve Albertans. And thank you to Dr. Cowell and his team at AHS for their dedication to ensuring everyone has access to the care they need where and when they need it. And now I would like to turn, uh, turn the uh, mic over to uh, Dr. Sid Viner, Vice President and Medical Director for AHS, to the, so that he can say a few words. Dr. Viner. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you today. We are very pleased with this budget announcement and grateful for the funding that is being provided to help reduce surgical wait times for Albertans. We've made significant strides forward through the hard work of our teams and our focus on actions under the Alberta Surgical Initiative. Our plan to improve the patient's surgical journey from the time patients seek advice from their family doctor to when they are referred to a surgeon, have their surgery, and complete any post-op rehabilitation that may be required. For example, expanded chartered surgical facility contracts have been implemented to provide better access to surgical care. Through RFPs issued last year for CSFs in Calgary and Edmonton, HS is targeting about 30,000 ophthalmology surgeries and CSFs this fiscal year. In addition, HS is targeting approximately 6,000 orthopedic surgeries in CSFs per year with one contract in place and another being finalized. Operating room hours were increased, which helped, helped us eliminate the accumulated backlog that, that had occurred during the pandemic. These hours will continue to be increased. The anesthesia care team model has been expanded in Alberta. This is a model of care in which anesthesiologists are assisted by a team of skilled health professionals to provide anesthesia services. These health professionals work under the clinical supervision of anesthesiologists and extend system capacity to improve access for patients requiring surgery. And we will continue to see success as we focus on the following actions implementing central access and intake in all 14 surgical subspecialties to optimize scheduling processes and provide patients with access to surgeons with the shortest wait times or to a specified surgeon if that is their preference. Implementing rapid access clinics, which will provide timely assessment for patients with musculoskeletal concerns to determine if medical or surgical management is recommended improving efficiency and utilization of operating rooms through a partnership with the Institute of Healthcare Optimization, maximizing surgical volumes in hospitals and chartered surgical facilities across the province to provide surgery for Albertans within clinically recommended wait times. This includes continuing to optimize surgical activity in rural operating rooms, increasing our surgical workforce by continuing to recruit and retain surgical team members, including nurses, anesthesiologists, surgeons, and other health providers to support surgical care across the patient journey. Finally, further expanding the alternative care team model to support known anesthesia workforce gaps. And we'll optimize patient outcomes. We'll continue to monitor quality and safety of surgical care through programs such as the National Surgical Quality Improvement Program, and deliver care in accordance with best practice 
through the Enhanced Recovery After Surgery Program and Surgical Site Infection Prevention Initiative. This funding will support HS reaching our targeted surgical volumes of 310,000 surgeries, which ultimately helps us reach our goal of reducing wait times for Albertans. I want to thank our partners and teams who have worked so hard and continue to provide high-quality care for Albertans. Now I invite Dr. Michael Baring, Associate Zone Medical Director, South Zone Medical Lead, and Orthopedic Surgeon with Alberta Health Services to say a few words. Thank you. So thank you very much for asking me to speak today. As part of my surgical activity with Alberta Health Services, I perform orthopedic procedures such as the hip and knee replacements, ligament reconstructions, fracture care, etc. And it is great to see this additional funding going towards capital projects under the Alberta Surgical Initiative. Our primary focus here in Brooks is to maintain surgical volumes, and this funding will see that happen. Currently, we're doing about 1,000 surgeries a year in Brooks, and we want to continue to expand that work. We work with surgeons in Medicine Hat to offer available time here in Brooks, and the site also provides services to other providers in other zones. We can work collaboratively towards reducing the surgical wait list. As part of this collaborative effort, our Brooks General Practitioner Anesthetist traveled to Medicine Hat Regional Hospital to support the anesthesia care there. This ensures they maintain their clinical skills. The funding from Alberta Health will help to increase these opportunities and other projects under the surgical initiative. This will improve the surgical journey for patients and the processes for surgeons and the referring providers. For example, the ASI has established the central access and intake for surgical referrals across the province. This is similar to what was established about 10 to 15 years ago with hip and knee replacement. Once fully implemented, this will result in improved patient care by improving the flow of referrals. Specifically, this will ensure the referrals are complete for the surgeon. It'll also have the referrals integrated into the existing electronic medical record systems, which would streamline the process for the family physicians who are referring uh, sorry, who are the referring providers. This central access and intake will also help to track the surgeon's activities, including their waitlist status, so we can improve patient care by getting the patient to the correct surgeon with the shortest waitlist. We are extremely grateful to the surgeons in Alberta that travel to these different communities to provide surgical services, and to Alberta Health for the additional funding to support uh, optimizing our operating theatres. We will continue to work together to meet the needs of Albertans while supporting all our surgical teams. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Thank you very much everyone, uh, for coming today. We'll uh, start our question and answer portion with the media now. Um, we'll go to the phones first. Um, operator, can you put through our first caller? Yes, the first caller is Stephanie Thomas, CTV. So when can the insemination, what ovulation happens? Correct? Don't say insemination because I get confused. You mean like embryo transfer, right? Embryo transfer. Yeah. When does the um, embryo transfer typically happen? I think we had a little technical issue. Okay. Um, sorry about that. We will move on to Alex McQuaig, Western producer. Please go ahead. Uh Thanks for taking my question. This is open to anyone who wants to answer it. Uh, in the last week, we, we had, it was anticipated 13 
facilities, rural facilities that were under temporary service disruption uh, were expected to open. Only two of them did. Um, obviously, there's an issue with uh, healthcare staffing and staff and attaining those. I, I guess, what is the realistic timeline for when some of these rural hospitals will see some of the, the service disruptions uh, end? Well, thanks for the for the question. And uh, um, as as we we've chatted before, and, and you hit the nail on the head, is the, the, it's the, the challenges are our staffing challenges. Um, you know, I, we are very you know optimistic of being able to address a number of these in uh, in short order. And um, like for example, we are about to make an announcement. I learned today in Oyen um, that we have the staffing in place to be able to. Uh, uh, reopen starting this week in the emergency department and, and five of the and, and additional uh, in, inpatient beds as well uh, because we have the staffing in place so that that's a good news story but it's going to take time as, as as you know the challenges with staffing particularly in rural areas um, they existed before COVID COVID has made the matters worse uh, but we have put in place a number of steps in terms of you know increase of training faster faster access to uh, certification for internationally trained nurses uh, bridging programs. Uh, improved certification both for nurses and uh, and doctors and other healthcare professionals. So we are making progress, um, but it's going to take time. And and uh, but rest assured that these are you know what we say they are. They're temporary closures, and I recognize some of them have taken far far longer than um, than we uh, than we would have liked to be able to get them to reopen. Uh, but we are making headway, and, and I'm optimistic that as the um, you know the, we have the graduating class um, you know uh, from. Uh, the, our our schools here in the province uh, come out that they'll will be able to help fill the ranks and and us to reduce those further. But uh, Dr. Viner, if you want to speak further on this, that'd be great. Yeah, I think uh, we do everything we can to pull out all the stops to avoid uh, um, any closures, any service disruptions. But uh, as the minister said, sometimes they're unavoidable because of. Uh, um, lack of staff and uh, that can be nurses that may be doctors um, we uh, tap into locum pools as best possible and uh, big focus on uh, recruitment um, of newly graduating uh, physicians and staff um, use of uh, um, people from other other facilities who are willing to travel and uh, you know even as we look into the future training people uh, in rural areas to uh, promote their uh, continued residents working in healthcare within those areas. Thanks, Alex. Do you have a follow-up? Yeah, I, I mean, is there a timeline? I understand it's a difficult, complex uh, topic, but is there a timeline? That, are we talking about months? Are we talking about years before uh, the province can kind of wrestle this issue? So... You know, in terms of specific timelines, the, and I wish I can give you a better answer, is it depends. You know, cause, because the, you know, it's a complex issue. Staffing is what's driving it. Um, we have a number of programs in place to be able to, to address. Uh, I, I mentioned OYEN, which was, you know, very positive. The announcement coming out later today in terms of, of, uh, of reopening that. Um, but if you look at our health workforce plan, um, you know, it's a focus on, you know, both short, medium, and long-term actions to be able to drive this. And, and I can tell you that AHS... Uh, is focused very hard, and we're working very closely with them to be able to, to make this happen. So we can't give guarantees of of, uh, of timing, uh, but as soon as we actually get the, the resources in place, um, 
we'll uh, we'll make announcements like the one we'll make later today on Oyen. Uh, and 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 again, I'm optimistic because we have made the investments. We have more people. Um, who are, you know, we have more nurses, more doctors than we've ever had before. Uh, we have another graduating class and we've streamlined in the process. So, you know, uh, I'm optimistic that we'll be able to continue to drive through this over the course of, of you know, weeks and, uh, and, uh, and months. Um, but again, it, it's going to be uh, dependent upon uh, each individual location uh, and, you know, where, you know, whether or not we can attract there. And, and I, just one last comment. This is an issue that's not unique to Alberta. Um, you know, this is an issue that, you know, uh, you, you see across the entire country and actually in the first world in terms of challenges with healthcare staff, but we're all moving to address that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I have confidence in our, in our plan, uh, and we'll just continue to work at it and ensure that we can provide the services that Albertans uh, deserve in, in, and, and live up to our commitments to actually have those services open, particularly in rural areas. I might just add, because it's related, we've also got a $2 billion investment in building out primary care. And I think increasingly what you're going to see is that more medical professionals are going to have a broader scope of practice. And there's going to be team practice. So we're working with our nurse practitioners as, a, and as an example so that we can make sure that if everybody has access to primary care, whether it's a family doctor or whether it's a team practice, that helps address some needs on a regular basis so that it doesn't put additional stress on our urgent care centers and our, and our hospitals. And so it's a whole system that we're, that we're employing here. We're spending $2 billion on that. And it's the reason why we're recruiting across all of the different health professionals so that we can keep people healthy and well and uh, hopefully just uh, have only the most urgent cases going to hospitals, which will allow for us to, to take the pressure off. So it is, unfortunately, a, uh, a national problem, perhaps a global problem, but we've got a number of different ways that we're addressing it. Thank you, Premier. Um, operator, keep it through our next caller. Thank you. Safe Kaiser, Global News. Good afternoon, um, or rather, sorry, good morning. My question for the uh, Health Minister. Health Minister, you keep talking about OIM there. I mean, when we look at OIM, uh, I covered that story about two or three months ago now, and uh, they they had been without proper medical services for, for several months before that. So, I mean, when, when you sit here and you say, oh, we're seeing some improvement, is it really acceptable that it's taken this long for them to get basic care in, in a place like that? So, so thanks, thanks, for the, uh, thanks for the question. And, you know, we, um, our commitment is actually to be able to ensure care across the province uh, and, and equitable and, and appropriate care. Um, has that taken uh, too long? Yes, it's taken far too long. Um, but the, cha the challenge is, and it is that you know we had issues prior to COVID about you know staffing. COVID m made it worse, has put strain on our on our healthcare system, and, and uh, people are leaving. So that's why I'm very pleased about our our healthcare action plan to uh, to address this issue, uh, and th and that's why I'm pleased that you know are we are we you know. Do we still have issues? You, of course, we do. And you look at the the closures that we uh, that we have. Are we making progress? Yes, we are. Uh, Oyen is just one example of, of get, getting the staff there to be able to reopen those uh, th those services, and we're going to keep working at it till we get there. And and I just want to reiterate the comment you know made by the by the premier. It's 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 not only about you know ensuring we have the services from an acute care standpoint in the communities, uh, but it's also you know demand management. Uh, and you know that's why you're very pleased about the work that's being done with uh, modernizing Alberta's primary care system. Uh, focuses on primary care, so we actually 
you know, keep people out of uh, the, the acute care to a greater extent possible. Um, but these are, these are challenges that, that, quite frankly, have existed for a long time. It's going to take some time to fix, but we are fixing them, uh, and we're making real progress. Thanks, Safe. Do you have a follow-up? I do, thanks. Equitable and appropriate care, Health Minister, you just said that, but you have 32 AHS sites facing either partial or full disruption, and that hasn't changed in several months. Actually, I believe it hasn't changed since late last year. Most of those disruptions are in rural Alberta. How is that equitable and appropriate care? As, as I said, that we, our goal is to provide equitable and appropriate care, and, and that's not it. Um, we need to make further investments, uh, and we actually are doing that. Uh, healthcare, uh, you know, healthcare is critically important in rural areas. I was very pleased to be able to travel the province uh, and speak to many local communities. Uh, and about the challenges where you have uh, fewer staff. I know AHS and is working incredibly hard, and, and so are the people in these areas to provide care. Uh, we simply just need more people. It's been made more challenging uh, due to COVID, um, and uh, so that's why we're actually focusing on making investments uh, in our rural health care. That's MAPS. One of the big key areas of MAPS is not only looking at primary care, but how do we actually provide care uh, in rural areas and leverage innovation. So I'm looking forward to be able to do a, a more broader response to the report that I, the, uh, uh, that I received from, uh, from MAPS. Uh, but again, you know, our continued focus is to invest in, uh, in our healthcare system, which we are, to transform how that health is, uh, how we deliver um, healthcare services, particularly with our continuing care um, transformation and then on the on the primary care uh, care side uh, and then investing in ad additional training like one other comment I'll just make on the training side is which I think is critically important is uh, for example uh, training in rural areas so people stay in rural areas so you know uh, for example Wainwright um, the program that that University of Calgary has established out there where nurses are uh, are training um, virtually in, in Wainwright, going through their courses there, uh, people accepted to the program, uh, actually doing their on-the-job training in Wainwright Hospital. Uh, and then I'm sure, you know, as in the conversation I had with them last week, they'll, be, they'll get job offers, assuming that they, uh, they, they uh, uh, graduate, which I'm very hopeful they will, in Wainwright and in related areas. And so we, and we need to do more of that, and quite frankly, we are. We look at our, uh, our um, uh, expansion of the medical uh, school programs at U of C and U of A, uh, and in Lethbridge, uh, you know, first two years at UFC and then do their clerkship and, and residencies out of Lethbridge so they actually stay local. So we, we appreciate um, that we need the staff. We are taking actions to uh, make sure that we have the staff. It's taking longer than we would like, uh, but we are committed to make sure that we can provide the services uh, to, uh, to rural areas and make sure the staff that we have to do that. All right, thank you very much. I believe we have a question at the microphone. Um, somebody, CTV? Good morning, Premier. Uh, sorry to be so late around to horrible fog. I just have to ask you one quick question, please. And the question for you, uh, Premier Smith, is um, a writ hasn't been dropped, but a campaign appears to be already on, underway. Are you concerned that voters might uh, get burned out and tune out before we even get close to the date of the election, please? Uh, I said when I got elected that I would uh, commit to having the fixed election date on May the 29th, which means that the writ will drop as planned on May the 1st. We still have a number of things that we're wrapping up to be able to finish some of the announcements from our budget before we go full-time into, into campaign mode. And I, I think that people are excited to have a conversation about what the future of our province is. And so I'm looking forward to getting fully into that when the, when the writ drops in a few weeks' time. 
Thank you very much. We'll go to our next caller on the phone. Operator. Thank you, Dean Bennett, Canadian Press. <coughs> oh, good morning. This question is uh, for the Premier. Uh, Premier, I'm wondering now that uh, where we go from here, now that uh, you've insisted there's nothing irregular about your phone call with Archer Pulowski. Specifically, I'm wondering if this has changed. It sounds like it's a facto policy change. So I want to know from you three things. Should Albertans facing criminal charges or any charges who feel they're being treated unfairly by the system now consider themselves free to contact their local MLA or any cabinet minister to discuss it? Two, if these accused MLAs or cabinet ministers with the if these accused contact MLAs or cabinet ministers with the intent to discuss their active case or criminal case, are these MLAs and cabinet ministers now free to accept the call and engage in this conversation? And if so, once these discussions have ended, are cabinet ministers and MLAs now free to pass the accused concerns and outstanding questions on to justice officials via the appropriate channels, i.e. yourself or uh, Justice Minister Tyler Shandro. Well, there's no change in policy. The policy is what it's always been, that the, uh, the, the Crown prosecutors and the judicial system operates independently, that there is a lens that, uh, the, uh, that the Justice Minister can look at in assessing cases, that is whether there's a reasonable likelihood of conviction and whether it's in the public interest. That stays the same now and has always been that way and will always be that way. Um, my job as a politician is to consult with a broad range of people raise their concerns, and then ultimately in this particular case, take the advice of my justice minister. My justice minister said that we are awaiting the outcome of several court cases, and I accepted his advice. So there's been no policy change, Dean. Dean, do you have a follow-up? Premier, I'm sorry. Yeah, with respect, I put it to you that this is gross hypocrisy on your part, that you get to contact and talk to accused before their criminal cases, but no other Albertans get the same opportunity. How do you justify that? Look, every single one of my MLAs, their job is to talk to a broad range of Albertans. There were a broad range of Albertans raising concerns about whether there'd be an option for amnesty. Um, this should be no surprise, Dean. I ran on that. I said that I would pursue and see if there were options for amnesty. And I asked my justice officials if there were. They came back with some recommendations, and the recommendation was that we had to wait for the outcome of several court cases. And that's what we're doing. The, uh, the, the conversations I had with my justice officials took place several months ago. The court cases still haven't come down. We're still waiting. And so that's where we find ourselves, is that uh, we've got to let the... Once these processes are underway, we've got to let the system of court play itself through to the end. And that's what we're doing. We're waiting for the outcome of a couple of court cases. Thank you very much. Uh, we have time for one more set of questions. Operator, can you put through our last caller? Jennifer Lee, CBC. Hi there, thanks for taking my question. Uh, this is for the minister and perhaps uh, Dr. Viner would like to comment as well. As you know, there's ongoing concerns about long waits for lab work um, since AHS um, contracted Dynalife to take over community lab work. Um, in particular, we're hearing a lot of concerns out of, out of Calgary where people are waiting you know, at minimum four to six weeks uh, to, to get in for lab work. So I'm wondering what is being done to address these long waits and, and when can Albertans um, expect to see improvement? Yeah, no, thanks for the question. And I've heard those concerns as well. Uh, I've had recent conversations with, uh, with AHS and uh, actually as early as this morning with the, uh, the official administrator. Um, my understanding is that, you know, part of the longer wait times is, is due to... Uh, uh, transition. Uh, as you know, uh, Dynalife took over uh, from APL um, you know, earlier this year. 
uh, and are trans, you know transitioning staff to a uh, to a new system. So that is uh, that has caused um, you know, some uh, degradation in service. In addition, um, you know, Dynalife is is like many other um, uh, uh, even AHS in terms of the uh, you know. Ensuring, ensuring that maintained to be able to staff. They're having some staffing issues. Uh, my understanding is that AHS is continuing to work with them uh, at this point in time to uh, make sure that, you know, support them in, in improving service. Dynalife has also, um, uh, you know, has announced that they'll actually be expanding uh, hours and actually seeking to actually add, uh, uh, add more staff. Uh, but we are watching this closely. I, you know, I did uh, I did ask some questions in regards to well, how are things going in Edmonton, and my understanding is they are, um, you know, main, you know, hitting their targets in uh, in in Edmonton. So, uh, I, I my sense is that this is going to be a temporary uh, issue as they get through the um, you know uh, taking over the uh, the operations in uh, in Calgary and and adding the uh, uh, the staff uh, associated with that. Uh, but we're watching it very closely because you know we know that. You know, the longer wait times is is a uh, is an issue in uh, particularly in Calgary, uh, and uh, and supporting them to actually be able to uh, ensure that they can hit their targets. And uh, Dr. Viner, anything further to add? Very aware that it is that it is an issue, and we'll work with Dynalife to improve it. You know, I think uh, it's the bottom line. Thanks, Jen. Do you have a follow up? Yeah, I do. Thanks. Um, I guess one aspect to this whole transition is that hospitals um, aren't conducting lab work, community lab work any, any longer. And I think that's a particular concern um, for parents, you know, children of children with, you know, complex medical needs, they would go there, they could get in quite quickly. There were folks there who were freshly trained and drawing blood from, from kids and that kind of thing. They could get in very quickly. Is reopening these community labs in hospitals, for example, children's hospitals, an option that's on the table at this point? I was going to say, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the honest answer, which uh, is that hadn't come to my attention, but, uh, you know, having brought it to my attention, we'll definitely look at that, Jennifer. I do understand, and, and maybe it's not this particular um, complex cases, but for certain complex cases, uh, Dynalife actually there is a, a, a accelerated process for booking to be able to, to come in, like cancer cases, to be able to do that. So that's you know that may be another avenue, but uh, we can get back to you specifically with cases like um, uh, pediatric cases, whether there's something different there. Thanks for the question. Thank you, everyone. That concludes our event today.